Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pacific Center Podcast. I'm Dr. East and I'm thrilled to be back with Elaine Duncan to talk about something that affects all of us and that is trauma. And Elaine was here last year in 21 and she's back in 22 with even more information to share and wisdom and expertise in the areas of trauma, how to treat it, how to approach it in our practices and even in our lives. Elaine, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy Thank to see you, you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great to be back and I'm full of anticipation for the symposium this time in person. Uh, last year I was in there personally and this time I'm coming to San Diego. I know. Well, I'll be there. I'm going to be there all week. So I can't wait to be in person with you. And let's just dive in for the listeners and let them know because your topics, uh, the the titles of your talks, don't do them justice. So this is a great opportunity for you to share what you really are going to talk about. I know on November 6th, from 11 to noon, you're going to talk about five element applications to manage challenging people and circumstances. And I already start to think about like, you mean challenging patients that um, are don't listen to us or so can you explain a little bit more about that? I'm sure it ties into trauma yeah. somehow. Yeah, yeah. I had this big word in my original title. The word was allostasis. And, and um, <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about allostasis. So our allostatic capacity is how this massively beautiful symphony of body systems come together when we experience something that's too much, too fast without adequate support, which is my definition of trauma. So it um, gives a foundation for us to understand why so many trauma survivors have complex multi-symptom illness, because we put our hand on a hot stove, it's not just our skin that gets affected. We get an adrenaline rush that helps us remember not to touch hot stoves. Our immune system gets activated. Our fluid system gets that, like lots of things get activated. So as we, it, it underlies the importance for restoring core regulation as opposed to chasing symptoms because our patients are gonna have a whole lot of symptoms. It's not unusual for a trauma survivor to have irritable bowel and migraine headaches and uh, um, an, an autoimmune disorder and you know all kinds of things all wrapped in one package. And if we, if we treat a symptom, we miss the underlying dysregulation that really is what's calling, calling us forward. So we're gonna talk about allostasis and how to, um, how to use the five element model as a way to help uh, restore essential regulation in trauma survivors. I love it because like you said, too often as practitioners, we are just looking at the symptoms. And so you're going to, in just that little short um, talk in the morning, get into definite strategies of being able to um, differentiate and look at some of the symptoms that are being presented and then see more of the the allostasis, as you say. Right. Actually, that's the afternoon session. The, the morning session is the five element strategies for trauma survivors with, oh, maybe it is. No, you're right. I, no, you're right. Okay. <laughs> hey, just for anybody listening, this is fair because she has three talks. So it would be very hard to keep them all like organized so, on this talk right so now. In the, in the morning, we're going to talk about, um, so there's five steps in the self-protective response. 
that's defined by neurobiology. And the fabulous thing is that those five steps are mirrored in the movement of the Shen cycle and the five elements. So we're gonna look at, um, I've renamed the five steps. Um, awaken arousal belongs to the metal. Signal threat belongs to the water. Mobilize a response belongs to the wood. Restore coherence belongs to the fire and digest the gristle belongs to the earth. So we're our task then is if someone experiences an overwhelming event and they aren't successful in moving through all those five steps, they're more likely to have symptoms. So we get to use our Chinese medicine diagnostic lens, pulse reading, tongue diagnosis, five element diagnosis to sort out which step got thwarted and then use our acupuncture, our touch, our herbs, our qigong, our tai chi, all of the, all the beauty of Chinese medicine to help restore that, that missing piece that didn't allow them to successfully complete their response to threat. But there's more because I have the thesis that it is not our full, we have more of an opportunity to serve and it's to build capacity in those five elements. So it's not enough to repair what got lost or what, what was inadequate way back when. In terms of the metal, it's also our job to, um, to help people be curious about what's new in their environment. It's, it's not enough to just awaken arousal to what's, um, what's, what didn't work in the past. We can also establish curiosity for people that are different from us. We can, instead of meeting them with a sense of threat, we can meet them with curiosity and curiosity is a parasympathetic function. So the more that we can expand capacity for our patients in their metal element to notice that there's something new, but notice, notice what's new that's also delightful, not just notice what's a threat. And I love that. The, and in terms of the water, we, we don't just need to signal threat, we also need to signal safety. We need to cultivate capacity to distinguish fear from discomfort. Am I uncomfortable and think I'm afraid? Is there a basis for my fear? Maybe not. Maybe I'm uncomfortable because this is unfamiliar to me. So how can I expand my capacity to recognize that I'm actually safe? This is the basis of a lot of the community violence and domestic violence. People think they're, they're not safe, but really they're uncomfortable. So we have people pulling out guns in Atlanta and shooting women. You know, we, we have people going into grocery stores in Buffalo and sh shooting customers. They, they aren't unsafe. They think they're unsafe, but they aren't unsafe. They're raised in a yeah. culture that has raised them to think that they're unsafe. So we have a tremendous opportunity to expand capacity to recognize safety and fear and the difference between discomfort. And I love that. I just highlighted that we as practitioners have yet one more tool in our toolbox and it's not a needle and it's not an herb. It's just a, a reframing and a, a guiding the patient into curiosity, which like you said, is a parasympathetic function. Exactly. And that's powerful. If that's anybody powerful. gets something out of this podcast, that right there is powerful. So, um, so then that I just is want to go through the other 
the the uh, yeah. in terms of the wood element, its job is to mobilize a response, and we need it to be able to mobilize a response for us. But we can expand that capacity to mobilizing a response that's commensurate with the level of threat. Sometimes we need to use a fly swatter, you know, and that's enough. You know, so how do we help people distinguish the level of threat that they're really experiencing and what's really necessary, so that people don't overdo or underdo? We, we have to be able to defend ourselves. We don't want to be just, um, you, you know, milk toast. We have to defend ourselves, but it needs to be commensurate with the level of threat. And in terms of the fire, um, the fire gives us the capacity to recognize that it's over. Like the heart sends out this message of alarm when we're threatened. Thankfully, it wakes up the whole kingdom of the body to activate everybody to respond. But when the threat is over, the heart should send out a message of equilibrium equanimity, propriety, and we should know that it's over. When I was at the Veterans Administration, there were all kinds of vets who didn't know that it was over. They were still living in Vietnam. And they, 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 they could name the jungle that they were in, but they couldn't name their grandson's t-ball team. You know, So being able to recognize that it's over, that's the capacity of the fire element. And then the earth, the capacity is not just to digest the gristle, but also to harvest the lessons. Mm -hmm. Not harvest any lessons, harvest lessons that expand our life experience, not contract our life experience. Too often, if we got sideswiped by a blue pickup, we don't trust any blue pickups ever again in our lives. So we need to be able to harvest lessons that expand our, our ability to navigate life in a full mm -hmm. and rich way that honors the communities that we live in and our place as, as members of communities. So yeah. we're going to talk a lot about capacity building through the whole through the whole weekend. And you call it allostatic capacity. Well, it certainly is a relationship because the wider our zone of resiliency, the more allostatic capacity we have, the more capacity in, in each of the five elements that we have, the wider our allostatic load. We're going to be less likely to get triggered into a threat response if we have flexible, expansive allostatic capacity. I love that. I, I have a question. In your experience, what percentage of patients and or people in the world are incomplete with that trauma cycle? Meaning well, they just haven't really gone through all of the elements of the trauma cycle and are incomplete there. I, I think the vast, vast majority of our patients, the vast, vast majority of people who come to acupuncture come because we can address what I call the strange, rare, and peculiar the things mm -hmm. that are not linear and straightforward that Western medicine is, is so fabulous with. But the things that are just a little bit, I don't know how to understand this or something doesn't work. Physiology is different in a trauma survivor. The rules don't always apply. And so our ability to be flexible and hold our patients as unique individuals is, is a real gift. And the unfortunate thing of course, is that most of our training programs don't include neurophysiology. They don't include ethics of trauma patients. Uh, how to how to manage trauma survivor, you, you know all those things are so critically important when so many of our patients have uh, trauma backgrounds, either conscious from car accident, trip and fall, street crime, or unconscious from before they had language and living mm -hmm. in tissues. And we have access to people's tissues where this where the garbage trucks can't get to. <laughs> I would say the answer is a high percentage of our patients. I look back on my 25 years of practice 
And I would say in the high 90th percentile, my patients were incomplete in that trauma cycle. And what they were coming to me with those signs and symptoms right. were, were reflective of an incomplete trauma cycle. Yeah. Because once I got to know a patient and the real trauma or root was revealed, mm-hmm. you know, um, through curiosity, questioning and being that amazing practitioner detective, uh, it always came to a, like some sort of trauma point. Right, right. You know, and people will have their ticket for admission, like they might, they might call you up for knee pain or back pain or headaches or something like that. But, um, you know, I had a fellow who, who wanted help with knee pain, but when he showed up, he, he, he couldn't be on the table without his two stuffed animal loveys to, which were his, his attachment figures. Um, so clearly there was, there was more to what was going on with him than his knee pain. And, and I needed to work with him give him some attention for his knee pain, but hold him in this bigger context of, of a central regulation to, so that he could have the capacity to heal his knee pain. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious if we can explore for a moment an Eastern and Western overlap, and that is in the realm of EMDR. It's mm-hmm. a Western approach to trauma. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, something happens and instead of us filing that memory in the back filing cabinets, like most of the mundane memories of a day, we keep it in the forefront to keep us safe. Like the blue pickup truck. Anytime I see a blue pickup truck, you know, danger, danger. So EMDR is a technique where the practitioner helps the patient deregulate, dysregulate, and then go more into parasympathetic and file that memory Mm -hmm. with the overlap are we doing kind of the same thing with our medicine by having them go through the whole cycle and finish that cycle of the trauma and processing? So I'm not trained in EMDR, so I can't really speak to it directly, but I think that um, what we are doing, you know, acupuncture's essential um, theory is regulation and balance between two opposing states, yin and yang. The neurophysiologists, they call it sympathetic and parasympathetic we call it yang and yin. It's the same mm-hmm. language. This is what, what really drew me into this work was my early training in somatic experiencing where they, they drew the picture of, of, of arousal and collapse. And I went, <laughs> I know this, I know this. And then when they described the five steps of the self-protective response, and I said, my goodness, this, this is the five elements. This is an expression of the Tao. You know, this, this physiology is an expression of the Tao. And we have so much to offer because our science pairs up so beautifully with the autonomic mm-hmm. nervous system. Mm-hmm. One area that just occurred to me is in post-traumatic stress disorder. And there is a study and a science of it where some people have PTSD and others have PTSG. The G stands for growth, post-traumatic stress growth. And it sounds like if somebody is able to process that trauma through all the five elements and expand the capacity of the elements and their allostatic capacity, they're in effect leading towards PTSD right. versus right. D. Right, right, right. Um, what I tell people is that people who've experienced traumatic stress and digest it and, and work through it, they have to become bigger people. They have to cope with why do bad things happen to good people? They have to cope with the, uh, the spiritual dimensions of why did this happen to me? They, they have to come to terms with 
big existential questions that require them to get really big. Um, so I actually don't call it post-traumatic stress disorder because I don't think it's a disorder. I think it's a natural response to an unnatural circumstance. I prefer trauma spectrum response. There's a range of, a range of re responses. Um, you don't have to hit the, the red bullseye in the center in order to have some level of disturbance related to a, an, a, a, a too much, too fast, without adequate support experience. Um, there's, there's a wide, there's a wide range and the opportunity for, this is where we come in is we can help people move through those five steps and get to a sense of completion where they can, they can live with what happened. And not only that, maybe they're a bigger person. Maybe they have expanded capacity in these five uh, arenas. I love that. It, it's so powerful. Anybody over the age of 29 has most likely, you know, had that dark night of the soul and is now at that, they call it the Saturn return, has definitely had something big happen right. to them. And yes. um, that you're right. Our medicine is so very powerful. So in that one morning, going back to your talks, which are going to cover all of these uh, topics within it that deal with trauma, the early morning one is manage challenging people and circumstances. Is that from a perspective of the practitioner or the perspective of the patient? Yeah, that, that's, from the, that's the perspective of the um, capacity building in the patient. Got it. Got it. Helping them. They're, they're having, uh, is the patient having challenging people in their life or the patient is our challenging person? The patient is our challenging person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very complex. They have, they have multi-symptom illness. How do we, yeah. where do we start? How do we begin? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's also room to discuss how do we broach subjects with them where they might not even want to look there, right? Like, okay, I'm coming in for knee pain and you might um, suggest that it's coming from trauma and they deny that it, it absolutely is not from trauma. So how do we, that's a challenging situation as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. We clearly see it. Um, what are, are there some strategies and tools that you use? And yeah. I think the, the gift of our medicine is, um, on the one hand, um, we like, like other, um, providers can see the disorganization of a trauma survivor. We can recognize there's some chaos going in, in, in here. Um, and they don't necessarily need to have a story about it. In fact, many of them won't have a story. They've either forgotten or it happened before they had language. So we don't have to engage in story with them. We engage in their energy body. We're going to restore regulation to their essential, to their essential selves. Um, and we can talk about, some people will be offended or feel, um, um, you know, um, marginalized by saying you're a trauma survivor. So sometimes yeah. I'll just talk about, you know, the stresses in our lives, you know, and, mm -hmm. and not make it into a, into a big, into a big thing. Um, and um, I always talk about core regulation. I always talk about re restoration and balance. I always talk about enhancing your own body's capacity to heal itself. Um, yeah. I like that language. It's very positive. It's very calling into the future. It's 
It doesn't let them sit and dwell in it because you might have two types of patients. One that comes in and says, oh, it's no big deal. I got, you know, I almost died five times. No right. big deal. And they, they don't want to even talk about trauma. And then you can have the other patient who is just wallowing in their trauma, almost attached and addicted to their trauma. That's right. And like what I love that what you're saying is we don't even have to to get into that discussion, which is almost a Western approach. It's mm -hmm. more of like, let the medicine guide you and you'll feel it in your body. Yeah. The, the, the thing that you're um, calling to mind is um, one of my distinct memories when I was at the Veterans Administration is how some people will harvest their trauma and their body will be really braced and tight about it. And if we place a needle into that, it's going to hurt, it's going to bleed, and they're not going to come back. Mm -hmm. And some people, their bodies are really flaccid and collapsed. And I could needle and needle and needle and they wouldn't feel the needle. There wouldn't be a change in their pulses. There wasn't a change in their symptoms because there wasn't, the, the chi didn't have enough tone to care. The tissues didn't have enough tone to carry the chi. So that's when I developed these um, uh, approaches to that include touch and interaction to help prepare the field to receive the needle. Uh, and so that's the basis for my book, The Tao of Trauma. We'll talk about uh, talk about that, and also this the course that I teach, um, The Tao of Trauma, where we go through each of the five steps of the self protective response that are reflected in the five seasons of the five elements. We go through each one, and we look at touch approaches, ways to help prepare the patient to receive the needle, so that no matter what our tradition of acupuncture, if we're five element, we're Dr. Tan, we're, we're, we're Sam, we're whatever we are, it doesn't matter, but that we can use these kinds of approaches to help the person um, access the power of our needles. I love it. And I, I do remember we talked about your book, The Tao of Trauma, and you have a year long training course, The Tao of Trauma. It's a, a year long study you meet five times a year. And I want to make sure we mention this. You have the next cohort is starting October 22nd of 2022, right? Right, right. In Ojai, California, in person. Think in, person. in person. In oh Ojai, my gosh. Uh, so, October 22nd yeah. and 23rd, we're meeting within the metal module. We're looking at awakening arousal. Uh, Western science calls it interoception, or the function of the Po, our animal soul, to notice um, sensations and to have instinctive responses and how do we how do we work with those instinctive responses how do we cultivate the capacity to recognize responses in our tissues and and work with them um, and um, and have that breadth of time between impulse and response mm -hmm. so that we don't just react um, quickly and actually have time to consider our response Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a way we can get in trouble. So um, uh, metal module, October 22nd and 23rd in Ojai. And then I'm also doing an, an, a virtual module, a virtual series, uh, and that virtual class is November 12th and 13th. Okay, got, got it. And I know you have a meet and greet to talk about the program October 15th. Anybody listening, send an email to Elaine the email is elaineduncan at gmail.com, elaine.duncan at gmail.com, A-L-A-I-N-E dot Duncan, D-U-N-C-A-N at gmail.com. Send her an email right now.
and either come to the meet and greet on the 15th of October, or if if you're really feeling the calling, there is no uh, coincidence that you're listening to this at this moment. You have the chance to jump in on the year-long training, October 22nd to 23rd, because in a year, you're going to go into great depths on how to help people move through trauma. And, um, and so this is your opportunity. If that is not for you, but uh, you are coming to symposium. Let's talk a little bit more because you're speaking three times. One is going to be about uh, expanding capacity. That's going to be 11 a.m. to noon on the 6th. And then later that afternoon on November 6th, you have 2 o'clock to 5 p.m. So a three-hour deep dive with Elaine, the go-to for trauma, five element strategies for trauma survivors with complex multi-system illness. Sounds like we've already started to talk about that. Yep. Yeah. That's all yeah. the stuff about allostatic load and, and core regulation. Yeah. And then, and, and, then, and then Monday and Tuesday, the post-symposium retreat or, or post-symposium conference is going to be the, uh, the Dow of Trauma, the kidney heart access. So we'll talk about working in particular with expanding capacity in the kidney and on Tuesday, expanding capacity in the heart and the fire element. And that those will include uh, demos with both um, online participants and in-person participants, some, some exercises to, to build up your own toolbox and, and an opportunity to, to deepen that, that essential regulation between the kidney and the heart. Two full days, everyone. What, that is what Elaine is talking to you about. It's 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. November 7th and 8th, two full days you can spend with Elaine uh, at the Pacific Symposium coming up and there is the um, live streaming as well. So uh, in those two days, you're gonna talk about kidney heart access. And then the other one was the- The first day will be the kidney and the second day will be the heart. So it's, Got a, it. a, Got it's, it. a, it's a package, a two day package. What are, what are some examples of that manifesting it, it, oh, how would this show up in my practice i love that question so when the kidney experiences fear it gets hard and it lifts up and the little adrenal gland that's sitting on top of the kidney squeezes up against the diaphragm respiratory diaphragm and squirts out adrenaline so we end up in an adrenalized state and the first thing it does is it sends a message across the co cycle up to the pericardium help me Help me. So it's actually in our biology when we feel threatened to move towards another human being. If that feels foreign to you, it's probably because you've had some relationship kind of trauma in your past that make, has made it feel unsafe to move towards a human being when you experience a sense of threat. So the pericardium should help us connect with our tribe and help us resolve the fear, right? But mm -hmm. if the arousal is too big, maybe it's a tsunami or maybe our own capacity in our pericardium is limited by previous relationship-based trauma. Maybe we're being flooded by fear in the media and, and in politics. And so our capacity for, to, to, to recognize safety has been compromised. Something causes the pericardium to be unable to protect the heart from intrusion. So the heart gets penetrated and then the heart sends out this massive alarm sig signal to the whole kingdom of the body 
boom, 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 panic, everybody online, the whole, all the fire trucks need to come out, you know, the whole kingdom needs to respond. So um, the more the kidney can actually recognize safety as well as threat, the more judicious it can be about that signaling up to the pericardium. And the more our pericardium can expand to recognize the humanity in another human being, instead of a sense of threat in another human being, then the less likely the heart will be penetrated. The less likely we're gonna send that massive um, signal out that puts such a demand on our, on our allostatic load, puts a, such a demand mm -hmm. on the whole kingdom of the body has to respond because life threat, life threat, life threat. So the more that we can work with that dynamic between the, the kidney and the fire element, the pericardium and the, and the heart in particular, um, the more we can help people navigate life in community. I call mm -hmm. it, um, I say, all healing arises from embodied experiences of kinship. Oh. So if we can help I... people feel kinship in their tissues with humanity, we can reduce the impact of trauma, which is the basis for a lot of the polarization we're experiencing in our society today. Yeah, and as you were speaking this, of course, I'm trying to put this through the lens of myself. And I imagine that a lot of your students that study with you heal themselves while they learn how to heal others through trauma. Is that, that That's been the most remarkable <laughs> and enriching thing about going through this, this five session year long course. I've done it several times now. And just to watch people move into, you know, expanded regulation, expanded wholeness, um, richer experiences of life, it's, um, it's pretty juicy. It's, it's really pretty, pretty juicy. Especially considering the fact that they come there learning new tools to treat their patients. They end up healing themselves, which make them a more powerful healer. So in a sense, if you have 30 students in a year and each of those 30 students have 100 patients under right. them, you're affecting 3,000 to 30,000, the many people out there through your teachings. And I love these types of continuing education or just advanced trainings where we can heal ourselves in the process. And it sounds like your trainings, whether it's the symposium two-day intensive or even the small one-day morning talk and afternoon three-hour workshop or the year-long, anybody that comes to your trainings are going to find wisdom in how to heal themselves and be better practitioners from it. I hope so. I hope so. You know, I'm in the, I'm in the earth phase of my life, the time of harvesting what I've, what I've gained over now 32 years of practice, you know, and give it away. It's time for me to give it away. And, and it's just such a, um, uh, there's so, so much sweetness in um, the, the next couple of generations of acupuncturists that are underneath me, watching them come forward and flourish and, and serve. I mean, it's just very enriching. I feel like we're, I feel so met by the people in my classes like taking this work and taking it out into the world. It's, it's very, very heartwarming to me. Take, taking it forward. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you are the genesis of this. And whenever I think of trauma or treating trauma, how to approach trauma, I always think of you. You're definitely a thought leader in that field. And um, I love, I, there's um, another thing that's occurring to me, and that is just to heal the planet, if we were to get really big and uh, look from far away, 
you can do that healing one person at a time, right? So when the healer comes and learns this information, a different way of approaching trauma in their patients, they're going to apply it to themselves. They're going to be a more powerful healer. And ultimately that is just going to raise vibrations and frequencies all over the place. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, one of the things I, I commonly say is uh, trauma is vibrational illness and acupuncture is vibrational medicine. And Aww. like trauma needs to be met by vibrational medicine. Acupuncture isn't the only vibrational medicine that can meet trauma. There's EMDR is certainly one and somatic experiencing is another and cranial sacral work. And I mean, there's Qigong Tai Chi, you know, there's a lot of things that can, that are vibrational medicine, but that is what is required to transform. Well, it's so interesting. You say that because I've experienced both. I've experienced EMDR and I've experienced acupuncture. And what I haven't experienced with EMDR that I have experienced with acupuncture and something like yoga is that somatic response, meaning I was doing some stretching and yoga and a part of my body that was maybe not stretched for a long time stretched and it released this incredible emotion. I mean, how many yogis say they, you know, cry on their mat, but the same thing has happened to me with acupuncture, just having an interest, you know, an everyday acupuncture point all of a sudden releases a memory or an emotion that was trapped inside. And I just love what you said, and I'm going to put it in the notes. Trauma is a vibrational illness and acupuncture is a vibrational medicine. I'm sure you have a number of stories. I know last time we met uh, for the podcast for last year, you shared an amazing story. Do you have other stories that come to your mind where you've been, been witness to this kind of transformation in people? Yeah, the, the one that's coming to me right now, I, I thought of it when we were speaking earlier, this fellow that I treated at the Veterans Administration, he was, um, he was going to New York to visit his daughter and um, he was on the subway and like many uh, veterans with trauma experiences, um, it started to get full and he started to feel wiggy. You know, he, he didn't like, he doesn't like mm -hmm. crowds, right? And every other time this had happened to him, he would wake up the next morning in jail with blood crusting his fists. He would black out, he would, he would have that, you know, that impulsive, there was no breath of time between stimulus and response. But this time, the doors opened and he got off the train. He found a moment, I want to weep. He found the moment no. that he could get off the train and then he could get back on and he could go have a rich and meaningful visit with his daughter. Yeah. What's better for a girl than to have a good relationship with her dad? Yeah. So it's so sweet, you know? Um, so, you know, and, and in, in, that, in that moment, every passenger on that train got a treatment. Mm -hmm. The NYPD got a treatment. The Veterans Administration didn't have to deal with another veteran on the front page of the New York Times, you know, making mm -hmm. a scene. You know, it's like everybody got a treatment just mm -hmm. because he found that moment, that breath of time to get off the train and the next train wasn't so full and he could get back on and he could go love up his daughter. What's and that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what you are describing when you talk about expanding our capacity and yeah. helping to our patients to expand their capacity. Right, 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 right. One of my I'm favorites. curious. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Uh, I'm curious in that cycle, the, the element cycle, is there 
a tendency for trauma to get stuck in one element more than another? Is there, are there patterns yeah. to that or are they equally, is there equal stickness? I think, <laughs> I think it has to do with our constitution. You know, I think that where we are constitutionally um, strong and weak is what's going to show up in the middle of an automobile accident. You know, for someone who has an automobile accident, who's a water CF, they're going to remember how frightened they were. Someone who's a fire CF is going to remember how kind the, the rescue personnel were, how, how loving and attentive they were. Someone who's a wood CF is going to like have it in their fist while they were holding the steering wheel and they, they couldn't stop, you know, they, they, they were trying to mobilize their response and it didn't work. Like everybody's going to respond to the same circumstance out of their own inner vibration and their own strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, the person who's the wood CF, we want to help them smooth out the stagnation that's in there. The one who's a water, we want to help them feel su feel supported, you know, like feel feel protected again. You know, there's different different things are called for. Like I I use these these five words. I I I, I love these five words. East, they're so great. Yeah. So, protected. Um, it, no, respected belongs to the metal. Protected belongs to the water. Encouraged belongs to the wood. Loved belongs to the fire. And supported belongs to the earth. So all of us, one of those words is going to be particularly meaningful to us. I want to feel, I want to feel safe. I want to feel protected by somebody. I want to feel encouraged. I want to feel respected. I want to feel loved. I want to feel cared for. Like we've all got a place where, you know, we want to we want to be touched in order to feel more whole. So can we find our way to those experiences and let them inform our reality so that we can walk through life with that hole or that weak spot nourished a little bit, and then we can make through make it through our day with a little more, a little more equanimity, a little more ease. A little more balance, a little more embodied experience of kinship. Yeah, I wrote that down. All healing comes from an embodied feeling of kinship. That's what you said, yeah. right? Embodied experience of kinship. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that embodied because there, I just finished the book, Body Keeps the Score. The Body yeah. Keeps Score. And it talks a lot about this from more of a Western angle, but the somatic response that our body stores our emotions and our traumas and our memories that way. That's right. And um, your approaches that you've uncovered over your 30 plus years of practice and study are using the five elements, balancing the five elements, helping a person take experiences and process them completely. That's right. That's right. That's right. To get the nutrients out of them, just like if we were digesting food. Right. Digest the gristle. Digest the gristle. <laughs> Last step, right? Digest the and, gristle. Um, lessons. Do, you, do your approaches include acupuncture, acupressure, herbs? I heard you also say qigong, tai chi, possibly yoga. What are some of the modalities in your so, approaches? Yeah. So what I teach is interaction, observation, and touch. We've all got so many, you know, acupuncture is such a diverse practice of medicine that um, I, I think 
how we're all trained is beautiful. And what we need help with is how to manage patient management and setting up the patient to receive and harvest what we have to offer. So um, we use the five element construct, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you will use the, the five element kind of needling approach in your practice if what you're trained for trained in is Dr. Tan or eight, mm-hmm. eight experts or you know whatever. Um, they'll, they'll weave in together. You'll find your way that belongs to you. Yeah. It has to, it has to feel, we have to be able to put our own chi behind our needles. Yeah. You know, so I want people to, to feel, um, you know, to integrate what I have to say with what feels true to them. Right. Like kind of create their own version of it based on interaction, observation, and touch. One of the things I wove into my practice and still do is I always touch a person's foot or feet. And that's just always been my thing. I was intuitively guided to that. And I will even say to them, you know, I'd like to um, rub your feet if that's okay. And there's a great connection there. Um, And uh, another practitioner, it might be the hands or they might sit bedside or Mm -hmm. they might do the temples, but you know, it's your interpretation of touch. And I love that you say that um, your approach is interaction, observation, touch. And um, then there can be variations yeah. within that. Yeah. yeah. So we use the, the correspondences of the five elements. So in the metal, we talk about how to touch the skin. We ha- talk about how to touch the respiratory diaphragm. How do people help people find the, the po in the wood? We talk about touching the kidney adrenal system, touching the bone, touching the brain stem. In the wood, we talk about touching the liver blood, touching the tendons and the ligaments. In the fire, we touch the fascia and we touch the mediastinum. In the earth, we touch the viscera and we touch the muscle system. So we use the, the correspondences and kind of suss out. We're like, we're kind of like um, uh, detectives, like where is it hidden? Where, where is it tucked away? And then how can I use touch, which sometimes is more accessible to trauma survivors than needles. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Touch to make the needles a little easier to cope with or, or how can I access the energy body, the vibrational field with touch if someone can't tolerate needles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always offered acupressure mm-hmm. over, you know, in lieu of yeah. acupuncture, yeah. if somebody yeah. is, I don't yeah. want needles or, yeah. That's yep. a trigger for me or yeah. Yep. Got to yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of crazy when I first started doing this work, you know, and I was very entranced by, by um, the, the potential for working with trauma. And then I thought, well, I use sharp objects and burning earth. <laughs> <laughs> how am I going to, how am I going to work this out so that people can receive what I have to offer? So that's been on some of my impulse too. Uh, where, where else do some traumas, lie, meaning I, I, it goes without saying the last two years, 20 to 2022, there's a, there's a lot of trauma in there for people in different ways. Um, but you, I know you work a lot and extensively with the VA. Are there other demographics or pockets of the population that you see a lot of trauma around? Yeah, I also, I'm also part of, um, acupuncturists without borders, mm. um, we have a local chapter here in the national capital area. I'm, um, I'm in the mid Atlantic, uh, Piscataway nation. 
um, <laughs> near um, near uh, Prince George's County, um, and um, so uh, our chapter, our mission is to serve. Uh, well, we we started in 2016 after that election, and we wanted to serve immigrants and refugees that were really being marginalized and 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 polarized and, and so forth. So right now we're we're working with a group of um, uh, young people in a jobs training program um, in Prince George's County that, um, uh, that we're offering them uh, auricular acupuncture every week uh, as part of their program. They're um, about 70% uh, Central American refugees and, and the remainder are African-American young people. Um, and we're just getting started, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's very meaningful to be offering this this work in, in my neighborhood, you know. And, and are you already seeing great results with that population? Oh, we're just getting started. Just doing, we're just getting yeah. started with that with that group. We worked with Casa de Maryland um, before the pandemic, and um, that was a long time ago now. So we're just getting kicked back up into gear. But, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, I love to, that to meet to meet young people, you know, while they're still pretty malleable, and and you know the the pandemic, the the impact on on the heart for us to be told we need to isolate from each other. You know, mm. it made it very hard on our parasympathetic nervous system, our, our understanding of the tribe and who we belong with and our people safe and all Yeah, you so, mentioned, yeah, you mentioned young population. Do you get involved with trauma in children? And if so, do you treat the mother and father combo with the child at the same time? That seems to be the pediatric approach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, people can look up uh, the adverse childhood experiences research that's on the CDC website to understand the impact of early trauma, which is very high rates of both morbidity and mortality in adulthood, um, mm -hmm. and certainly making use of the law of mother child to help. Because um, really, it's vibrational medicine, you know. So working with the field around in the family is really what's, uh, any any regulation that comes into a, any system helps the mm -hmm. whole system. Helps the whole system, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness, the stuff is so good. Like it is said, so good. It is so, so good. good. It's just, it, yeah. it definitely lands so beautifully on my heart. Whenever you and I talk about this and the work that you're doing in the world, it warms and opens the capacity of my heart knowing that you're out there leading the charge training other people to be these beacons of light in the world of hope and um, healing and so I just want to summarize um, for everybody listening you're going to be at symposium it's going to be live streamed November 6th you're going to be talking from 11 to noon the five element applications to manage challenging people and circumstances and Elaine has beautifully described what that means. <laughs> and then that afternoon, a three hour deep, deep dive, five element strategies for trauma survivors with complex multi-system illness. We have definitely done a little bit of a deep dive into that talk today. And then a two day intensive with you, uh, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. for two days, transforming trauma. Now this is where you can have an even greater impact, yeah. uh, cultivating the capacity in the kidney access, the kidney and heart access over two days. Yeah. And then if, if that's not enough, and it doesn't sound like it would be, you are invited, anybody listening to join the Tao of Trauma um, year-long program that begins October 
22nd and um, contact Elaine to get more details and see if you can come in on that. And she does have the meet and greet online, 1 p.m. Pacific time, October 15th, to get more information on that. All you have to do is email her at elaine.duncan at gmail.com. And also your website is integrativehealingnetworks.net. Integrativehealingworks.net. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Integrativehealingworks.net. I'll say it one more time. Integrativehealingworks.net. And click the top navigation under trainings. And you'll see that the 2022 to 2023 Tower of Trauma training is beginning October 22nd. So this is your chance to get out there and have a bigger impact and carry on the work of Elaine Duncan into the world. (laughs) I can't wait to see you. I am so excited to see you. I'm going to be at Symposium. We have all sorts of things happening at Symposium. Uh, There's going to be the dinner for everybody. There is a speaker's dinner happening. So I'll see you personally there, but anybody listening could come and see you because it sounds like you're going to be there for the four or five day duration of the event in uh, the conference. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. Okay. I'll see you in about a month. See you in about a month. All right. Bye-bye.